everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Welcome along to today's show. It's episode seven, season seven of LOI Central. And on today's show, it's Robbie Benson. Uh, he's coming back to fitness. And it's Dundalk versus Shamrock Rovers, who've had seven games in all, including the President's Cup, still seeking their first win. They go to Oriel Park. So that's going to be a big, big game. And we will also hear from Kieran Kilduff, his former teammate, uh, who's been doing some uh, very impressive uh, things since he retired. Uh, but he's itching to get back into coaching. One job he's not going to get, at least now, is the Waterford job because Keith Long was appointed today um, not very long out of the game. Um, excuse the pun. Danny Searle obviously let go in rather unseemly circumstance during the week and uh, Keith Long is back. We are, as ever, sponsored by Future Ticketing Reporting uh, Records, LOI season ticket sales now for two seasons running. Collar and Cuff, sponsors of the Mailbag, call to Decky for a free shirt and tie with your new suit and Rascals Brewing in Inchcore. Tickets are on sale now for Rascals Happy Days Beer and Food Festival this coming May Bank Holiday Weekend. Sporting Irish food and drink producers, search Rascals Brewing on Eventbrite. Uh, Dan, of course, you're fresh from uh, the Aviva Stadium on uh, Monday night, which was a hell of a shift. Wow, yeah, like it was it's just it's that sense of um, that sense of deflation, really. To be honest, I was I was only saying to someone yesterday, it's like uh, if you spend your life, it's a it's a decision, and I mean I wouldn't complain about it, but if you spend your life to 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 cover Irish football, and um, that's your that's your work, it's your job. You cover a hell of a lot more victories. Mm. Like I, I, you know, did the that familiar sense of ah, if only that had gone in, you know, which is like which could sum up a lot of moments. I can think if only those draw the goals in Kiev had got in that time. When if only Dane Massey's header against Zenit had gone in. If only you know the Henri handball hadn't happened. If only uh, you know, you can you can take your pick of uh, of whatever and like. You know, it gets a bit tiresome after a while. I must admit, like just that sense of um, that sense of so near, but yet so far. But then that's obviously what um, you know, you, you what makes the good days when they happen. And it's not as if you're. See, the thing is, you shouldn't really be wrapped in professionally, like with the outcome of things. You have to be cold and dispassionate about it. But but obviously, you're human. Uh, well, it's not that you're human. There's a selfish thing about it as well, regardless yeah. of whether you want the team to do well or not. Like obviously, selfishly, it's uh, it's better for business. It's better for everyone if the if if our football teams are flying high in Europe, both club and country, and um, it's better to be out there doing stuff than relegated to the side. Um, relegated to the side as everyone uh lauds things in other sports, or you know, it's just like Premier League, Premier League, Premier League, um. So that's why there probably is a little bit of uh, investment, maybe unprofessional investment in, in helping teams do well at times because, um, you know, it, it allows uh, a better platform for uh, for your work and so on across the year. But that's a bit of a sort of a self-indulgent tangent. The good thing yeah. I would say is, um, you know, sometimes you come back after these big international weeks and I love the league, as you know, we're doing a League of Ireland podcast. But it can be a little bit of a downer sometimes because you have that sort of, that high of this 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 sort of big event. You know, one of the world's best players, like the best player in the world potentially here on Monday. And it's obviously a great buzz, you know, to to, to see that sort of high quality fixture, um, even if it wasn't necessarily a classic, but you know what I mean, like to see the football of that level. Um, 
what I actually like is that the energy about the league at the moment means that you're actually really looking forward to getting back to it on Friday. You know, that it's I'm going to Oriel Park, haven't been there this season. Um, I'm not sure if that'll be sold out, but you know, you know it's going to be a full house. You know, it's like well, I've been contracting myself. Uh, I'm not sure it's gonna be a full house, but it's gonna be sort of a full-blooded, proper atmosphere. Um, and there's a lot of storylines in the league at the moment that are captivating. And I think also as well the fact that you now come back to the league and and and, and like everyone with a dose of cop on knows that the development of the league is wrapped in with the future of our international teams and um you know just have to strive to 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 continue to to make it better. Um and and that probably helps to make our game a little bit better. We should say we're obviously we're doing it remotely again because unfortunately uh producer Dell is uh he's got very important work commitments uh which I completely understand. But uh, we will be back in studio next week. I know the don't quite have the intimacy in the remote show, Johnny. You know we can't interrupt as frequently as we normally like to do. I, I think I was counting um five players with the League of Ireland background on the team as well. Just um kind of having a few thoughts during the game that so we had Bazunu, two kind of wing backs, and the two strikers had come through League of Ireland in some shape or form, somewhat peripheral in the case maybe of. Uh, Ferguson and obviously Doherty, but um, I don't, I don't know, Dan. I was kind of thinking as well that the atmosphere at the game was up there with the best I've I've witnessed ever at Lansdowne Road, and I was at the Ireland France rugby game and literally chalk and cheese. Like you're playing in 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 both instances, you're pretty much playing the best team or the second best team in the world, um, and obviously in the Six Nations game, Ireland um are are favourites and they're they're the best team in the world. But Jesus, the the noise in the ground, like, and the you know the the last sort of five ten minutes, and I know it was a moral uh, a moral victory, but you know you 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 said it was like Champions League versus Championship, and that's kind of what it's like. And Ireland performed in the base so, level in the base level of our players. Yeah. Play, yeah. Ah, yeah, and like I think that's a fair call. Like, and like you're looking at you know Griezmann and Mbappe and all these lads just tipping the ball around and Irish players that play in the championship trying to keep tabs with them and one of one such player giving the ball away and so on for the goal but the it, it almost feels like we've moved away from this oh Stephen Kenny is like the League of Ireland's kind of van and we're so invested from a League of Ireland perspective now it feels that um the fans really have bought into this team and like for a, for a 1-0 defeat um, there was just great energy in the ground, and I, I, I think when we look at the underage teams, we'll talk a bit about that with the lads as well later on, and where this is going. Maybe we won't qualify in this tournament, but I, I'd be very positive about the future. And just that, that that was as good an atmosphere as I felt in the ground in years and years, possibly ever at a league. At a, I wasn't at the Germany game now, but there was some vibe in the place, and it was it was, yeah. I was it was it was great to be there. I wouldn't share your optimism that the Kenny debate has moved away from that. I mean, I did read see, read something the other day. Now, I must admit, it's from someone whose opinion I just wouldn't give a toss about um, um, when it comes to football. But, you know, they were sort of making the point. And these people do exist, you know, that, that Kenny's fate is wrapped in with the fate of any homegrown manager, the idea that any homegrown manager can do. And that's still, that, that view still exists. Like, and it was always preconceived that would be the case. Like, if it doesn't work out for Kenny, it's because he came from the League of Ireland. It's not because he made any bad decisions. You know, that's obviously going to be it. That's the label so that was said. nonsense, like. Well, I know. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know. And his, his biggest think... critics seem to be practically League of Ireland people at the moment. Well, yeah. Uh, but, like, the, 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 yeah, well, I mean, well, I would say, like, I mean, some of the, the discourse around the Kenny and the commentary on the discourse around Kenny is so simplistic. The suggestion that it's only people from, the only people willing him to do well 
uh, sometimes that sense is left that it's that it's the League of Ireland people, which of course isn't true. The but people say that, if you that, look at the, the people who say that, sure. people who say that, Johnny, like obviously know nothing about Irish football because clearly this is uh, it's the most dysfunctional family of them all. And anyone with a knowledge of the League of Ireland would know that probably there's a lot of people within the league um, who who you know would quite enjoy if it didn't work out well for them. And mm. of course. You know, if the other things were the way around, like it probably would be people on the other side feeling the same way. So this isn't actually, uh, you know, portraying uh, things in a particular way. Uh, this is just, this is just the game that we live in. And uh, we have a couple of mailbag comments uh, to that point. I mean, the the Kenny the Kenny era is is complicated because I think um, people would say there's an uh, an age gap around or an, an age thing, like even within the media and all this crap. You know, hipsters against dinosaurs or uh, whatever whatever terms are putting it, but there's actually probably to me sometimes a little bit of a generational thing as well. I think around some of the the commentary, you know, I thought Brian Gartland last night uh, tweeted something about the, the 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 rhetoric on on Virgin Media, but I think there's actually like an older League of Ireland fraternity, there's a younger League of Ireland fraternity, and I would say they would have split views on Kenny um, mm. as well for whatever reason. Um, complex, complex web. Yeah, although you know, if you look at the F- the FAI structure has changed a lot as well. Where, um, the the League of Ireland has gone for being a difficult child that you know, at least in the sense of the the rebrand and you know the League of Ireland, the positivity around the League of Ireland now. I I, I think the mindset in terms of all the the underage players that are coming through the the from the League of Ireland necessarily now as well. A lot of these uh, teams are coached by people who've been involved in the League of Ireland. Um, the League of Ireland is full of very promising coaches as it is, and very few Irish coaches exist in uh, in the English four tiers at the moment. The the Irish job as much as it's attractive. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't see this as a kind of a a vote on whether we can give this job to a League of Ireland man again going forward. I I generally think Kenny has done quite a good job, and I think the narrative around it is still positive after um the Ireland game after the France game. But I don't know. I mean. I hope we'd be that can be the away. world. That can be the world you can have it. Like I think, yeah, if, maybe if Ireland do badly in Greece in June, mm. uh, everyone which will is say very possible. Everyone will, everyone will say the commentary, you know, on on TV is right, you know, like so. That's it. Flips very quickly. Like it as does. I said, I I, I don't uh, like the 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 least enjoyable aspect of the Kenny era has been the couple of hours after every match when like you know it's sort of. He, you get it. You get it from all sides in terms of like the uh, the little rows and the little jabs, um, and it's pretty tiresome. And I think like you know you wouldn't look too far ahead. I mean, Jonathan Hill did say at one stage, Jonathan Hill, like you know, I'm not sure if he was thinking about the implications of it. Like he did sort of speak about you know you need to have uh, the benefits of having an Irish manager, a homegrown manager. That that would be preferable. And then it was pointed out, well, Vera Powell doesn't quite tick that box. And again, I'm not sure if it was the most it, it, it intended it was intended to come out in the way that it did um, but it is on the record now you know and, mm. and if, if if Ireland go in a, a different way in the future they probably will be reminded of that um, I would have thought you know yeah I think um, a lot of Irish internationals will want the job obviously going forward but not many yeah. of them have a job at the moment in, in terms no, of you no, know I mean? no. and we shouldn't as well as well I think like I think I think Kenny probably mentioned this at one point. Like you obviously have to need to get away from this thing. Like what we need to aspire to is get to time. We're not about League of Ireland people, and you know, like it should just be Irish football people, full stop, and everything under that an umbrella. You know, but everything, like everything with an Irish football, the nature of it is like faction. That's what badge are you wearing? 
what crest have you got? Like, where do you come from? And like, that's, that's um, the nature of so many discussions. We've seen this with the underage leagues in recent years. And, um, you know, even something like Evan Ferguson, which is a great story, but it also breaks down to how their bows claim credit. No, he was ours. And, and mm. you know, and look, I know where that comes from. And, 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 and obviously like, you know, um, it probably goes great if people see people feel that their role has been undermined and often it's not I'm not saying it's even people from Kevin's it's it's often pe- other people within schoolboy football making that point but again like that even sums it up that even like a great news story like the most exciting Irish player to come along for ages can somewhere along the line become the source of sort of a little bit of jabbing and bitterness and that's what I'm saying like um, the, the nature of the game here is that people often struggle to get past their own grievances, um, you know, in, in any in any sense before they can see the bigger picture. And like some very high profile people fall fall foul of that. Um yeah. very, very, very um very transparent uh as well. So yeah. I, I think um, from that, our from our fifteens yeah. up to the to the end of this campaign, whether whether Stephen Kenny's in the job henceforth or not, isn't to me isn't that big a deal for Irish football because he's he will have done like a job at that stage where he's brought Ireland along the way anyway to a point where the style of football has changed to an extent, but it's just more the underage teams coming through. And I think the dynamic in, in the game is going to change here a lot anyway. We're not going to be wedded to this idea no. of you know, so I, I, I think it it the, the, the debate about the manager is kind of it's not it's not the biggest deal either um going forward. I think the structures no, it, are, it, we're getting there. But it will continue. Okay, let's before we get to the mailbag, let's get to housekeeping. Last week's question for the Rascals Brewery Tour, it was named the first Estonian to play in the League of Ireland. Um uh, a lot of questions, a lot of responses, I should say, and, and all right this week, no wrong guesses. Um and Timmy Birchell um, come out on top of our, our draw so Timmy you'll get the guided tour this week's question again for the guided tour rascals send our answers to uh, LOI Central Pod on Twitter and Instagram I mean I knew we'd be talking about Stephen Kenny um, so Stephen Kenny won five Premier Division League of Ireland titles who was the top goal scorer for his team in the year that he won his first one that is the question so Stephen Kenny's first league title who was his top goal scorer? They were also the top goal scorer in the league in that season. So uh, that is our question. So let's get on, I think, from here to the Collar and Cuff mailbag with a new mailbag jingle. Everyone's crazy about a sharp dress mailbag, am I right? These electronic letters have style for miles, so let's dig in. And thanks to uh, Elizabeth Nelson and the paranoid style. Look them up there uh, for our new mailbag. And um, yeah, it's certainly uh, brightened up my day, Dan. Has the mailbag yeah, we, We've up had a day? question. We had a question like, what is the story? So that's the yeah, Elizabeth Nelson. Paranoid style, a sprawling garage punk pop outfit built around singer and songwriter Elizabeth Nelson, who is a good friend of our producer, Dell, and very kindly goes out of her way to do that stuff for us. Um not everyone does everyone love it no but then it's one of those things where the people then it's taken away people will then go where did yeah. that go we, we even had a mailbag comment last week about bring back the mystery voice I mean the mystery voice as you Jesus. know was carnage for the six weeks or so was here carnage uh, was a bit strong shop. well you know what I mean I, I really yeah. like the mystery voice because I mean anyone can your question can essentially be googled mystery voice was actually like I probably it's probably one of these things that sums up my life not a bad idea performed it terribly <laughs> 
but I liked it anyway. Yeah. Thanks for whoever that anonymous yeah. person was. That was uh, Johnny <laughs> Johnny Double Johnny W with the comment. Uh, thanks so yeah. much to Johnny right, W for that one. Too obvious. Um, so um, mailbag comments this week. Um, yeah, a few references to Brian Kerr and Stephen Kenny. I'm probably gonna. I'm I'm doing a cross cross uh, cross reference plug here. I need to write down like some of this stuff rather than just offhand talking about it. I'll probably do a newsletter around the whole Virgin Media coverage this week because I think it is it is interesting uh, to use our word. Your tweet so, was uh, your tweet was rather. Um, I thought it was on the verge of the cryptic side, Dan, on the whole thing. I think you have to be cryptic around the whole mm. thing, um, because I think it's one of those things where only really two people can talk about this with any. You uh, and me. Can chat well, but aside from that, <laughs> um, there is layers to it. There is layers to it. But I think you know you you have to be, um, you have to be very balanced to how you present it as well. Um, okay, uh, we had a few references to the Evan Ferguson. Any idea what the both sell-on clause and Evan Ferguson is? It does exist. I saw some people trying to claim that it doesn't. Uh, it does exist. Um, do I know what the exact percentage is? I don't believe I do offhand, but it's 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 a good one. It's a good one. I think it's in that ten to fifteen percent bracket. Um. There, thereabouts. So, like, they are sitting on something that's going to have considerable value there. And uh, I've, I've said it. I, I don't, don't sell the clause of Brighton come looking as other clubs did in the past. I don't think they're going to do that either. Um, BK yeah, that's going to be colossal easy. money down for League of Ireland. Yeah, looks like. oh, yeah, no, it is. It that is, could actually like, put Bowes into the territory of first League of Ireland super club in terms of the money that's at their disposal. Well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but like, I, eight I to ten million. Yeah, but like, I, I don't Maybe know. Maybe 15? Like, yeah, but, but you know, Tindall got 6 million from the European run. Like, you know, and I, I again, it's what you spend it on. Like, I, I, I'd be low to say that, but, you mm. know, it, it, is a, it is a little bit like uh, probably someone from a Welsh do area, uh, you know, waiting for an elderly relative to pass away because, you know, <laughs> you know what's coming. Like, you know what's coming, you know. Um, uh, that's actually a very cynical way of looking at life. Bloomsbury nearly is a well-to-do area at the moment. Yeah. Stony about well, it certainly is. There you go. They, they mm. know what's coming, but who knows? It could be, you know, you know, it could be could it be fifteen years time? You know, he decides to just score, you know, three hundred goals for Brighton, and then he goes to Valencia for five million quid or something. Like what an absolute disaster that would be for both. We are richer for yeah. having lost him. <laughs> BK O'Donnell. <laughs> Easy to see why Flair of Scotland work for Sean Boyd at Finn Harps after tonight's result against Spain. Bit of a side on F one GUF Tonish announced five hundred grand, uh, five hundred grand grant for Gaelic Park in New York City. Why not more outrage from the League of Ireland? Well, like outrage from the League of Ireland is like you know can be a waste of time sometimes. I understand why people were unhappy with that. Um, this was Mial Martin with a five hundred grand check. Now I think that check was previously distributed in a bit like the old FEI. Uh, and their AGM, like you, you present everything as if though it's a new announcement. I wouldn't be too wound up about it. In fact, I thought it was funny that the, the most productive thing about that was that the responses to it was mostly League of Ireland people going mad about grounds. Um, I just think mm. people are going to keep driving this home now again mm. and again and again and again. So any opportunity to do it to me is actually a positive. Jim Instagram, a few Kerry questions. Can you see any Kerry GA players do a Jason Sherlock and play for Kerry FC too? I wouldn't know enough about their relative strengths to do it, but it wouldn't shock me if it happened um, at some stage because enough of them are going. Still still a full house for the at-long game. Get another disappointing result. Um, and, like, you know, racist messages sent to players. I mean, it's just depressing. But, I mean, again, it's that whole debate of amplifying these idiots or not. Kerry playing five at the back when with the win, the dominating, says J-Mac. Sure, they need to be more flexible. Well, there you go. Um, as I said, welcome to the, welcome to the outrage before... 
Um, we have a few questions from Robbie Benson. We might come back to them within that. King Geeney asking about why Richie Towell hasn't hit the heights with Robbers that he did with Dundalk. Probably a different player at a different stage of his career. Ah, he's, a good bit, he's a good bit older he's, now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, Danny Searle, I don't know, what's your thoughts on the Danny Searle news then, Johnny? I, we have a few comments about it. I expected it to happen. Um, and I, I did say, Dan, at the time when I was at the RSE, I, the, the atmosphere of that game was very, very odd for a game that was so early in the season where you have effectively the favourites to win the first division taking on the second favourites. And I mean, after 15 to 20 minutes, the crowd were really getting on the back of the Waterford players. And I went I went into the tea room just to chat to a few characters, a few lads heavily enough involved in football. And the, there, was a, there was a really poisonous atmosphere towards the way Waterford were playing. And I, I, I sort of looked into this a little bit and I was like, this lad has to be under pressure because... This this can't be coming out of nothing. And the context of last season was, you know, you know, as much as um UCD work really well coached by Andy Myler to get to a situation where they um got to a playoff, like Watford sort of screwed up by by yet again they screwed up by not getting uh, promoted. And two years in a row, last year you can say, you know, that was nothing to do with Danny Sir, but two years in a row the disappointment of that. Um, and they started this season with, if you look at the, they obviously lost Phoenix Patterson, but their their roster of players is very, very impressive. They started this season badly, um, giving away poor goals. Even when they beat at loan, they didn't play well. So they haven't been playing well. And with the nature of that club and the structure behind it, um, and I don't know an awful lot about it, but kind of just looking at it um, from afar, it didn't surprise me because they're fighting a fighting a battle to finish top at the moment. If you finish second in the first division, you're you've a one in eight chance really. You've you've to win three games to get promoted. Um so that that that's they're obviously uh, making a snap decision that we need to win the league here and we need to change the manager. And as ruthless as that is, I can I can completely see why they did it because I I was I've been saying all along or certainly the last few weeks, I think all United have a great chance to win the league. My worry is that Watford will change their manager and they've done that. Yeah and as you mentioned at the top, Johnny um a little bit of a small bit of a take two for us uh, in that we just when he started recording we, we weren't aware of this but the news just broke that, uh, that Keith Long as you mentioned has come in as the Waterford manager and it's it's uh, to use our favourite word it's an interesting one this because we did have Con King on to us in the mail back um, talking about um, the, I suppose the dilemma around the assumption that like a local based candidate would be better is that disrespectful to English managers and I, I'll be honest we were talking about it earlier I thought Waterford would maybe go down that route again. Um, but I suppose if you were to look at who was the outstanding out-of-work manager at the moment in the league, um, if someone say like Liam Buckley, obviously, is another one. But Keith Long is the obvious one. Like he left Bowes in such... Uh, left Bowes in a nice way. You know, you often leave with your a job with your reputation being down to the bit. That, that wasn't the case. He's been doing uh, a fair bit of media, probably more in that time than he did his entire stint at, at Bowes. As a manager, um, you know, we've had him on, he's been in other places and off the ball and whatnot, but it was it was clear he wanted to get back in. And I think I think sometimes for a, a manager, the longer you stay out of the game out of work, the harder it might be to get back in. Now, the one thing I would say is I mean, there was speculation going around about other jobs, people being in trouble, was Keith Long waiting in the long grass, pardon the pun. Clearly that that's not the case, because otherwise maybe he mightn't have gone for this one if he thought there was a premier gig of note coming up. That's a little um thing to note. I suppose, um, there, um, but I don't know. I think it's a, it's a, a fascinating appointment, but it's a, it's. I think it's a good one. I mean, but I, I don't know what it says about Waterford. Are, are they sort of thinking, okay, um, this policy of bringing in someone from outside, 
um, it, there's a risk attached to it. We just need to get this club back uh, and we just need someone who knows the terrain here, albeit one who hasn't been managing in the first division, but still clearly like you know, knows the player network here very, very well. Yeah, and I, I think uh, if, if Waterford don't have that much uh, time to waste on kind of a new manager bedding in who doesn't know any of the players, for example. So, like, they've already played Galway United at home and lost, and the gap is quite big already. Galway United have a, another reasonably nice run of games to finish off the round. They don't have that much um, kind of leeway at this stage. And if, if Keith Long were to come into a job, this is pretty much as good as it gets, Dan, to be honest. Even though Watford are in the, in the second tier, if you look at the, the Premier Division, UCD job, obviously, it is what it is. Draw that, no money whatsoever. The other eight are basically, they're, they're in reasonable situations at the moment. No obvious um, managerial candidate kind of going in the near future. And Keith Long is coming into a club that has loads of potential, really good training facilities. I think it's, I think it's, it, he'll be absolutely delighted with it. A little bit of, um, I'm not surprised at all at this, but it, it'll be interesting to see because I think Keith actually was really enjoying in one sense, he was enjoying not managing anymore. For me, he, he was a lot more relaxed in his demeanour. He wasn't under as much pressure. And the Bo's job was really pressurising the last year that he had. Um, but I guess, you know, Kieran Kilduff has spoken about that with us as well. There's, you, you will have that itch that itch to um to be involved and it's probably too much for him. It's a great job. As a Galway United fan, it's a worry for me. I think Waterford have the potential to really, really pick up points though. Yeah, I think the thing about the job is, and I, like some people in football said to me that they thought Keith Long's next job wouldn't be as a manager. He might go and, mm. and do something, you know, more sporting director, e or or even a role in the FEI. That was definitely a, maybe a view at some stage. Would he end up in some kind of FEI position? I'm not sure what really, to be honest. But um, and I think he maybe alluded to that in some stuff he did himself. So clearly, but clearly this this thing has come his way. I mean, it's, it's clearly happened very very quickly, right? I mean, we know football is a is a rootless enough industry like um you know how, how quickly did this all happen who knows but um this is a funny thing as well then Waterford was supposed to be playing at the weekend so if Waterford had beaten Treaty like would this have happened I don't know the game was called off well this is it we actually had a, a question in via our mailbag and I just I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the person who sent it to us um now who did make that reference about the markets field pitch it was a it was a kind of a, a good one. I just can't figure out where it is. Um, oh, yeah, Kieran. Uh, Kieran, uh, LO61L. Uh, Sarah wouldn't have been sacked had the pitch in Limerick been playable. Um, is the Marketsfield pitch the first pitch to get a manager sacked? He says, uh, I might just give Kieran the, the, the mailbag prize for that. Um, just, I don't know, it just made me sort of laugh a bit. But um, I don't know. I, I often think if if they've, sacked them without a game being played at the weekend, it would suggest they were thinking about it anyway. Or mm, no, they're definitely thinking about it. So so like clearly like um would he have would a win for him have uh, delayed the inevitable? I'm 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 not so sure about that. But um you know clearly things were going in a in a particular direction. But it is um yeah like I, I didn't really finish my point before. I guess if if Long was thinking of maybe other things within the game, but clearly he probably sees this one as a don't let this train pass you by. Mm. Um, in the sense that like it had it, this could be a very good job. Like they have money and backing there from Fleetwood. Um, this is one that if you get it right, and it's obviously a big if, and there will clearly be you've mentioned there's a sort of a pressurized environment there to get up. Like it could be a job where you lay down, you get the chance to lay down 
foundations but we'll see what we'll talk maybe more next week when we know more about staff and various things because it's it's happening very quickly um for him and he's uh coming in uh yeah he's going to be in the bench uh for the game of finn harps on friday one thing we should also mention as well it's probably mailbag related we did have a comment last week in thomas thorny uh thorny where i sort of met a uh, a light-hearted remark about we're not going to be seeing games on Virgin Media anytime sure soon. that was light-hearted uh, well actually it wasn't light-hearted no but I will say I mean, specifically I said are we going to see Tommy Martin and Joe Malloy present a game if, if if neither of them present a game then I'm proven right but no to be honest completely taken by surprise that um that the Bo Shamrock Rovers game is going to be on Virgin on April 7th Good Friday it's brilliant um, it's a one-off deal it seems at the moment so it's not uh you know, it's 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 uh seems like a first date, really. Um, see how it goes. First date with Virgin. Yeah, well, I mean, Having that I don't want to. I'm not going to follow that one up in any way. We'll be cancelled and probably so. Maybe we should even mention. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a trial run. I think um, I think there might have been a possibility that game. Uh, I think Archie might have discussed that game at some stage, but an earlier kickoff time, and and I don't think Bowes would be willing to move and. Um, or I don't know, it seems like that wasn't a possibility. So it's a little bit left field that it's ended up in Virgin now. Um, Virgin 2, it's going to be on. like a, They're a commercial station. They, I think their interest before, the levels of interest, well, I mean, it's the first time they've ever shown a game. So clearly the interest hasn't really been there before. Um, go back to like the TV three days when you had, a, what was it, Aircom League Weekly. Um, the day, so, but um, look, I mean, I made the point myself. As we all know, it's it's always not ideal. Like crowds at the moment are very good. You can now say there's probably going to be over twenty thousand potential viewers out at games that night across the country. Um, and it's Good Friday. I think there's a big Leinster game on. But if they win or if they win this weekend, I think there's a big Leinster game likely to be on RTE. Um, so there's other like sporting distractions going on. Um, but it is also a marquee game, and I, I suppose we we touched on it earlier, like the the Virgin Media social clips. Or in Ireland games, I mean, I don't know who's going to be on their their team, but with Brian Kerr be on it, who knows? But you know, they have the potential. Even Kenny, to... maybe. <laughs> yeah, just get Kenny on talking about Pats. <laughs> talking about all the, yeah, what's going on with Pats? What happened with Pakistan? Um, but like you know, th- there is there is an element of um, there is an element of sometimes with League of Ireland coverage, like okay, we need people to watch it. It's simple. Like, that's a simple equation. A commercial station will probably be even more cutthroat about that because they don't have a, a, a public service remit. So if the figures aren't there, they'll, 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 they'll cut loose pretty quickly. But there obviously is, like, a brand awareness element to it that even if it might technically be loss-making, you know, you, you, can, you can gain something from it. Um, and, and hopefully it's not loss-making, but, I mean, we have to be, you know, realistic sometimes. Um, so I just hope, like, you know, it's a, it's a, they they get to put a good package together and and it's well received and 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 it opens the discussion because they do cover a lot of football, um and it is a little bit of a jarring thing that um there is like I know they've covered the Shamrock Rovers games in the Europa Conference League, um there's, an, there's a contractual element to that, um uh and they have good pundits affiliated to the station that like could be could be very good but we'll obviously see what what they're able to put into it like i i think with these stations as well like we we started off with air sport right so we're completely um you know we have we had a skin in the game there but i i've had this with the european games and the debates and stuff like that you know you can you can pick up some of these european away games in the summer for for small enough money 
Um, it's not an outside broadcast commitment, um, like a home game. And I'd like to see them try that. What I'd like is as well, I mean, if they do another game, would they try one on a Thursday? Do they have the same scheduling commitments on Virgin Media 2 on a Thursday that maybe RTE 2 might? Uh, I'm not so sure. Like Virgin Media, as we know, a lot of Thursdays they have football on anyway through Europa League and European football. So it's not as if they have uh, uh, an established show that they have on every Thursday um, that they would be discombobulating the whole fucking, you know, the schedule to, to find room for uh, to find room for live football in there because they're quite used to it. So it's worth trying out the partnership and see what's going without getting uh, too carried away. Um, are you going to be presenter or something on it, John? Yeah, I, I'm actually the presenter, yeah. I actually auditioned, <laughs> to, be a pre- I auditioned to be a presenter on Virgin before and uh, I was told that I actually did very well, but I turned up kind of in jeans and I was like, but I'm, I mean, it's only an audition. Like, so I was wearing a shirt and jeans and in fairness, your mom's like, I want to bring you back. And then he moved on or whatever. So it's kind of like a manager who like, he didn't even sign me, but he's like a manager who wants to sign me, but then like moved on to another club. But wow. I, I worked for Virgin actually. Um, And the thing with Virgin is, and I, Virgin will probably admit this themselves. They don't pay massive money because they don't have massive money. They're a commercial station. When I worked for Virgin at the Greyhound Racing um, at Christmas, or sorry, at the Derby night, um, that was sponsored by the Greyhound Board. So that, that kind of tells you where Virgin is at. Virgin is under no um, pressure whatsoever, morally or anything, to show Irish football. It doesn't have a public service. It doesn't get any public service money. Public service money is completely given to RT and TG Carr in this country. So so Virgin has to get by and make money. And I think as your tweet earlier is on the button. We need to support this because if this is a one-off, and I do understand it's the result of a lot of work on behalf of, you know, the league to kind of throw it out there. I can't get my head around TG Carr, how TG Carr is still not showing games and it's shown like practically the, the under 12s um, junior C like ladies game from Leitrim at this stage. It's shown so much live sport why it won't show the League of Ireland. And um, so we need to support this and hopefully it looks well on Virgin. And if the figures are good, maybe going forward, we'll get a bit more of this because uh, I, 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 I'm gone off the idea that TV is anywhere near as important as it was, but every little helps. It does help. And I will say, uh, Johnny, that you do, of course, have a, a blazer and an Alfie Moon shirt now. So if you get an audition in the future, I will sure with the help of... Uh, God, I actually would have gotten Jackie, the job. Jackie and Colin, could, could be, I mean, your life could have gone in a completely different direction. I want to rattle through a couple other questions. Greg was on about home clubs issuing away tickets four or five days before games. It needs to be reviewed. Um speculating i say this is probably accurate they want to avoid away fans buying home tickets and i'm not sure what specific game this is about um but uh i mean we've spoken about this before like the ticketing issues in the league are brilliant but it's presented clubs with problems that they just weren't prepared for um and uh yeah i mean i saw actually dodge got involved with that you know saying it could be sorted for next year the away club should handle the allocation so they can put their own parameters on it but i suppose that doesn't necessarily tackle if you've got a thousand away fans for like a a section of 600 seats or whatever it might be um and particularly you see the thing is later in the season if you have a situation where a home club hosts a game and the crowd has dropped off and you know end of the year can be tough you'd imagine they'll be delighted within reason to have an extra 500 fans there from a visiting club. Um, but to apply some kind of policy across the year, it, it is tough. And um, again, like the league is just growing at a rate that the grounds can't keep up with. And, and Pretty one much, ways, yeah. One ways it's great, in other ways it's, it's dreadful. Um, Altai referenced the 19s being knocked out. Um, on paper, they were one of the most exciting squads of players we've had on the international panel, but maybe by national bias, it's heading my judgment. 
I think about it, these are knockout, effectively knockout or like the round robin group games. Um, I saw two of their games and they actually didn't play badly the 19s. They just couldn't score at times. Um, and it was a good team, yeah, like a bank was Zeffi. Um, you know, uh, McManus was sent off, James McManus, um, you know, several other players. I mean, the 21s, I mean, Sam Curtis uh, went between the age groups and, and, and the 21s on Sunday was very promising. Um, and again, a, a modern team in the sense of um, players who've come to the league on loan or players who've already left it, you know, the likes of Killian Phillips, um, you know, for example, who's a good advertisement for the league, late developing pathway, you know, Johnny Kenny, big goal, um, and, you know, several others of of note. And that, that was good to see. Uh, there was a question generally about the 21s. I hope the FBI got rid of the League Cup. This comes up every week. Um, I mean, it, it just left because of COVID. And I'm not sure about the sponsorship situation. Will it come back? Fixture-wise, can it come back? Um, I think I still think our season is too short. Could the League Cup be the preseason element? I've probably made this point before. Um, but, yeah. And then... Uh, Alan Kinsler was this international winner of the most non-Irish players away in international duty. I'm not actually sure not as many of them were actually away as you would think uh, the, some of the Estonians that make the squad it would have been more underage international squads and then yeah we've several suggested polls on uh, when Galway will win the league and whatnot. Johnny people don't see this but Johnny is wearing a retro Galway United shirt so you are fully you are fully back on message here yeah, Dan, I am playing Astro at one o'clock. Uh, this is my favourite jersey. It's about 96, God, 96, 97. It's over a quarter of a century old now. Uh, digital no longer exists. And Go United have still won nothing. But there we go. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. Ken Swan is asking Bose uh, another. Are Bose going to maintain their league at the top of the league, top of the table for another week? Um, I mean, I suppose we'll, we'll talk about that in due course with the lads and see what they think. Um, Jason Shanahan wanted us to mention Alban Hisa. And uh, the three getting getting a rare win, which we're we're happy we're happy to do, um, and yeah, we had a couple of other questions as well. Reference to shells, dairy, and their injury ravaged squads. Um, German O'Leary, a dairy fan, hoping that at least some of our injured players have had significant improvements, and that's the thing. Like there were some clubs carrying knocks into the break, and I think that international break now. Like, I think it's just great. I think imagine like if it was around the games, Premier Games at the weekend trying to cover around Ireland, France. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't have worked out very well. Uh, maybe that's just from a media coverage. And who cares if the crowds are good anyway? You know, people would say media coverage doesn't even matter for attendances. But to me, I, I don't know. I like the league having its own platform this Friday. Um, but yeah, it's true. There's a couple of clubs have had niggling locks. But um, we've got Kieran Kilduff joining us now. And it's it's actually a perfect segue because we do have a question from Brian Kevin for Kieran Kilduff. Very simple one. Uh, Kieran, you're very welcome. Good to have you. Would Kilduff have scored Nathan Collins' header? There we go. Hey, lads, thanks for having me. Um, would I like to think I would have put it more in the corner, yeah. Um, and I'll look at it. I think he did everything he could with it. Um, it was just one of those moments where the keeper matched as good a save as it was a header. And uh, yeah, God, it was just one of those. It would have been a, a special moment for, for Ireland. Um, it actually reminded me of. You know, that, that's one of those ones that probably keeps you awake at night down the line of a moment that was taken away from you. I remember missing a chance out in Rosenberg. The keeper tipped it onto the bar. And even now that I'm retired, I still think about if he hadn't a touch, it would have hit the bar and went in. Do you know what I mean? Without for a corner. And it was one of them where I think Nathan Collins has done everything he could with the header. And the keeper has just matched it with a top, top save. Yeah, as you know, before you came on at the start of the show, I was talking about, like, you know, covering football in Ireland. And it's just like you have a... 
a memory book full of like near miss moments, you know, like, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it's funny, like you talk about Stephen Kenny's time as Ireland manager in terms of the big games, he hasn't lost any of them by more than one goal, which is almost identical to the Dundalk in 2016, where the only game you lost by more than one goal was the Legia uh, home leg in the, in the Champions League qualifier. Like every other game was the margin. And I think even you might have had a chance in Maccabi at the end. No, no, that didn't really did, matter. Yeah. Didn't no, really yeah. matter. Like it would have been a few quid, obviously. You know, it wasn't about going through. Um, I actually think it would have affected the season for the following year. I think oh, there was okay. something if we okay. got the point. Yeah, no. So it's only when you retire and you look back at those what ifs. And that's probably two of the three. that There was another one was a header I had in the cup final um, against Cork at nil all just in the 91st minute. But it's weird. Yeah, it's a... I think Stephen Kenny's teams, well, like of late anyway, they're, they're they're competitive till the end. You know what I mean? And you stay in the fight as long as you can. And I think that was, as you said, in 2016, that was probably the best part of our campaign was the fact that we were competitive right till the end. I was part of a campaign with Shamrock Rovers in 2011 where that wasn't the case. You know, mm. we'd gotten Spurs had done us four 0 in, in Tala, and you know, with Pauk had done us as well, and you know, Ruben Kazan, and we just weren't in the games till the end, and. I think you know you're right. Yeah, there's a there's definitely um, you know uh, a lot of similarities between the Irish team now that they're staying in the games and we are looking back at a, a missed moment at the end of a game that could have you know been a historic night for us. How do you feel watching um, Stephen Kenny's art? And we've probably spoken about this with you before. I think actually when you're on, um, that it's you know one of your former managers managing, and does that sort of give you a little bit more? investment in the team's fortunes like i saw see brian gartland on social media there having a bit of a a go at the virgin media analysis and um, care you unhappy with some of brian Kerr's comments um i don't know how you feel are you caught up in the fortunes of the team in a, in a different way yeah look it's, it's probably hard to be unbiased when you're you're a big fan of the manager as a person and as a manager do you know what i mean and they've been good to you throughout your career um so am I unbiased? No, I'm always going to be defending them and, and, and hoping things go well for them. Um, I think the only thing about the Virgin Media thing is they've been consistently negative, if that makes sense. So, And there's probably an argument to be said that on the other side of the RT have been overly positive. Do you know what I mean? Maybe the truth is somewhere in between. And I think yeah. Yeah. what you're looking for is that little bit of balance and consistency of just say what you see. Um, and yeah, it, listen, I, I didn't see Brian Gartland's tweets, but, you know, I suppose they were probably unjust on a night where I think everyone came away from that game going. If, I think Richie Sadler summed it up well after the game. He said, listen, if you're going to lose to France, that's the way to lose them. Do you know what I mean? And I know it's not a nice way to lose and I know it's never nice to lose, but I think we took a lot out of it and a lot of positives. I think Ogbena's interview after the game, actually probably I was sitting on the floor by the end of it and, you know, it nearly picked me up. I was like, you know, he still, he was very positive. He was, you know, he took all the positives from the game. He was happy with his night's work. He was proud of the team. And I think that's probably the only way you could feel after that game. That's why probably the Virgin Media side of stuff. I didn't watch it. I was watching RTE, but obviously it's everywhere then on social media afterwards for all the probably wrong reasons, which I think were misplaced and unjust. Have you seen much... Have you been surprised at the evolution of the way that Ireland plays since he started? Um, No, I think that was what he was always going to do. I think his comments before the game were actually excellent. It kind of nearly was motivating. He said, fire and ice, and he was like, we're not going to die a slow death. And I think that automatically said he kind of nailed his colours to the mast. And that's why he was given the job at the start. He'd said he wanted to come in and play a 
refresh, a refreshing style of play, you know, bleed the young players in. And we are beginning to see that now. I do admit, though, you like, I mean, we have to match the good performances with good results. You know, I think we could do it picking up some points. And I was speaking to some family who were at the game afterwards and they were like, the problem is now if you don't go and beat Greece, we won't remember this good performance against France because you'll just go, well, we've lost our first two games and we've been cut adrift at the bottom. So I think just results are going to be important. But the evolution of the team, the playing style, it is refreshing. I think a lot of people, if you just take any bias away from it, I think it's it's definitely more enjoyable to watch. And you know, I think we're prouder of this team and this style of play. I should, sorry, I should rephrase it. Are you, are you surprised at the evolution from the start of Stephen Kinney's reign to where it is now in the sense of going three at the back, like being probably more pragmatic with the way we pass the ball for all the cull and give the ball away? Um, no, I think that was always the way Stephen Kenny was going to play. Do you know what I mean? I think we were going to play out with the ball. I don't Three at the back? Going... Yeah, well, like, I mean, it's it, it probably suited the players we had at the start. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He, he was happy to go with that. He, I remember one of his early interviews, a lot of players are playing this system. Um, modern day teams are adapting now and they're playing these these formations. Um, even I would have, I know it's a different one, but like I, I go to a lot of shells matches and they're playing kind of the five at the back and the three centre halves. And it's it's a mod, not that it's a trend, but it's there's a lot of benefits to it. And it keeps us competitive in games now. Do you know what I mean? And it allows us to build up play and there's a lot, there's a lot of positives to it. But yeah, listen, when I was at Dundalk, we never played three at the back. You know what I mean? It was the it was the four three three, and we we knew the formation like the back of our hand. And for me, I'd probably be a big believer myself with a, with a back four. You know that's the way I I would play the game. But I think Stephen, you can kind of see the benefits for it. Like there were some great phases of play in that game the other night against France, and they're you know they 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 stuffed uh, the Netherlands four 0 three nights before it, and you're literally or three or four nights before. So you're literally going we're playing this style of play, and it's working against top team. Uh, before we get to Robbie Benson, we want to kind of an unbiased, uh, um, again, you're kind of a little bit tight to Dundalk historically, but an unbiased view of uh, Robbie Benson, where Dundalk are at, and the general overview of the League of Ireland so far. Me? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, listen, Dundalk are, are, are after getting a, a really good two weeks there before the break. I think they started off with their um, kind of a draw with UCD and they were kind of finding their feet a lot of new players and Robbie himself was injured early days. He's only on the way back. And uh, yeah, I think they were beaten by Bo's second game. So you're probably going, this has been a turbulent enough start. However, you know, that's why I'm kind of saying that the league changes so quickly and there's so many games. I think there was three games in the week and they picked up, uh, I think they picked up nine points out of out of 12, sorry, 10 points out of 12, a draw up in Derry as well and three wins, which automatically propelled them back up the table. So I think Dundalk are in a good place. Um, you know, and they've turned their, their maybe their first week or two uh, struggles around. I think as the league as a whole, I've seen a lot of it. I try to go to at least a game a week, you know, when I can. Um, and I, I've seen a lot of the teams already. I was at Shells and Rovers. Um, probably expected more from Rovers so far this year. I think if you'd asked me before the season started who I thought were the team to beat, you would have said Rovers. But having seen them two or three times now, I'm probably going. They don't look the same animal. Shells have impressed me. I don't think they're going to be, you know, up the top end challenge or anything like that, but they've, they've picked up some good wins and some good results and they're hard to beat. Um, ironically enough, I've seen Bowes once and it was probably their worst performance uh, against Shells when they lost 1-0. Um, they've won every other game apart from that. But uh, yeah, look, at it's, it's going to be interesting. Derry won't be far away as well. So there's a, there's a, it's very early and there's a lot going to change. I think, I think when you were saying there, someone asked the question, will, will the break benefit some teams? I think the break would probably benefit Chamber Rovers and just have a big reset start again and try. I think that's going to be a big game on Friday night, coming head-to-head with Dundalk. Um, I think 
I think both teams will need to win it. Do you know what I mean? None of them want to be get cut adrift because, you know, the games are beginning now to, to rack up and before you know it, we'll be a quarter through the season. So, no, it's been an interesting league so far and I'm, and I'm enjoying watching it. Yeah, just we have Robbie waiting patiently there, but just before we move off it, because you've mentioned it, like I actually did meet you before that child at Shamrock Rovers game. And yeah, I'm just wondering, like you mentioned that Rovers haven't maybe impressed you greatly. I'm actually curious what you made of that match because... I think that was one of those where Stephen Bradley afterwards was, again, quite happy with the performance. And it's funny, we, we talk about systems like shells are obviously very hard to play against, you would say. They're competitive in every game. Um, but what did you make of Rovers that night? And how would you feel about them going to the Dundalk this Friday, which is a, a pretty big game for them at a venue where they don't have a good record? Yeah, no, they, um, I thought in the first half, Rovers controlled the ball. Um, I thought shells were very deep and... Um, I, th- I thought Rovers probably looked like I remember seeing the team sheets and like that seems a very strong Rovers team. I was excited to see them, but they they never really penetrated. They didn't like look like they had that cutting edge, and they never really got many clear cut chances. I think um, Gaffney had a header in the second half was probably the chance of the game, uh, and he's missed it. But other than that, I thought Rovers huffed and puffed, and I thought Shells probably finished the stronger. They had a couple of free kicks and throw-ins at the end, and when you leave them in a the game, Shells could have maybe even nicked it, and there was no clear chances. But it was a it was a level enough game. I remember going home and thinking back. I couldn't really even think of a highlight of the game. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't many chances. There wasn't many, you know, flash points or action points. You were just literally coming home going, this kind of two teams cast them out. And Shells maybe will do that to the top teams this year. They're, they're, they're very solid. They're well drilled and and whatever else. I think Rovers, though, I think the, the game previous to that was a four-all in, in Tala against Cork. And you're kind of going, you don't know what you're going to get with them. They're... They can bang in four and concede four. And that night, they didn't look like they were going to score. They didn't look like they were going to concede. So I'm kind of really interested and I'm looking forward to, to that game this weekend with Dundalk because Dundalk have probably, you know, they've turned a corner from their first two weeks of the season. Rovers are desperately... Like when you look at the table now, you mean, you wouldn't have, have, have thought it would look like it does now. Do you know what I mean? I know it's very early, but Rovers are probably in a position that you never would have thought they'd be in. Um, and like, you know, they need to win on the weekend. But Dundalk are probably... Their form of late. I know that the the midweek kind of or last weekend of the game again the Leinster Senior uh, Cup. I think against Shells that went awry or whatever. But other than that, and Docker in, in a good place at the minute too. So it's really teed up for a, for an excellent game. And actually, Shells and Derry are on the telly as well. I think this weekend as well. So some really good fixtures this weekend. Yeah, as you were saying, Robbie, I I, I saw a quote from you there. Um, and that's the last couple of days. You kind of you come back from a game and you're not overly surprised at results because teams are just beating each other. Yeah, probably just attest to the how strong the league is this year or how even it is across the across the board like that. Like just for example, that shells there again, like that could go any way. You wouldn't be surprised. Our game could go any way. Like it's it's really it really is up in the air every week and uh it's it's probably gonna have a big effect into who ends up winning the league and who can go on, on the biggest run because a good run this like a good run in previous years would be you know six or seven wins on the game or on the bounce whereas this year it might be a little bit smaller and if you think about three or four wins together you can see them open a bit of a gap kind of a little bit like those now at the start of the year having won what five or six you know they have a little bit of a cushion already yeah we, we'll get an update from uh, killer later on about what he's up to but you're you're you come off the bench in united park um and just you've been unlucky with injuries. Weaver's Park, Johnny. Yeah, Weaver's, Weaver's Park, Park. Even old habits are hard. You've been unlucky with injuries. Where are you at at the moment? I'm feeling great now. Yeah, it was a tough. Um, we'll say post that the game at home to Rovers last year, where I scored, I kind of started having a few symptoms. 
um, just around pelvic area and tried a couple of of different things. But I was just ha- I was hampered for the season, and then got to a stage where we kind of diagnosed I was going to be a, a need a need a little procedure on hernia. So um, we decided as a as a group that I'd I'd keep playing till the end of the season, and then got the up basically straight away when the season ended. But kind of pressure I put my body under playing while I was hampered a couple other stuff started to flare up but I'm back now feeling good and um yeah got 75 the other nine less in your cup against shells and and have come off the bench twice so I'm uh I'm fully back now as they say tell us about the the group you've got in the dock this year Robbie like you've um, I think in the off season a lot of us were probably guessing a little bit talking about Dundalk because it was a sort of a new some new players coming in and we're now beginning to see some of the personalities emerge like uh, we had a question about it this week you know about Tullock and Mali and um, what do you make of the the sort of the the profile of, of these players and what's it like for you as a sort of a senior pro are you sort of looking at these 19, 20 year olds coming in who haven't played a huge amount of first team football and what are you looking for? Is it ability? Is it character? Or what? What's your sense of of them as 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 lads? Uh, it's a mix. It's a mix of it all. But I think all the lads that that have come in first foremost, you're looking to them to buy into the the culture that's at the club of um, working hard, doing things right. And um, to be fair, they all have have uh, have done that so far. So that'd be the most important thing. And then everything else, you know, you're not going to sign for for a club like Dundalk if you haven't got ability. So that kind of that side of things nearly takes care of itself, but you know the lads. I'd say probably because they're not household names. Maybe Dundalk have gone a little bit under the radar this year, and the fact that we haven't had a, a game on telly either does, doesn't help. You know, the lads are just or people who aren't seeing Dundalk play are just hearing you know reports of of the lads' ability. And you know, you mentioned Connor and Ray in there, but. Archie Davies, Hayden Muller, you know, Louis Annecy have all had good starts to the season for us. And uh, I think when we get a game that's maybe under a bit more spotlight like this weekend against Rovers, if if they can can produce, then maybe, you know, we'll be we'll be taking a bit more seriously in terms of top end challengers in the league this year. what's it like for you seeing your old um your old teammates like Kieran Kilduff there talking like pundits or being your manager as Stephen O'Donnell or your sporting director like uh, Brian Gartland, all these uh, all these 2016 lads in, in different capacities now. And does it make you feel old as the senior player now when you when you see them moving on to, to different things in life? Yeah, uh, it's interesting to hear them talking like the Kieran there, hearing them give us give us use that he maybe a bit a little bit more scathing if he's just talking to me personally. Uh, but uh, <laughs> he's very uh, he's very on the fence a lot now uh, uh, as in, in his role. Yeah. yeah, but um, no, it's just part of of getting older. And you know, it was a great group. In you know that group that I came into in the dock was a great group full of full of big personalities. So it's no surprise really to see them. You know, staying in the game, having big roles, and I'm sure there'll be a few more in in years to come that I play with that. Uh, that go on to similar things. I know, I know he like um I know Kieran, like Kieran's there. He's he's spoken previously on the record about wanting to go into management. Like um I don't know as as players do you always sense who might go into management amongst you. You know do you know what I mean? Is it something that people actually talk about? Yeah, down the road 
I could see myself going. I, like he, because it, it is the case now. You see Rory Higgins. I know he didn't quite cross over with you at Dundalk as a player. I don't think. I think he would have been gone as a player. But you see, I don't know. Does it surprise you the characters you see going down that road or not? Um, I suppose you have to have certain personality traits. You know, a couple of personality traits you look for. But I think from people who have gone on into coaching and stuff like that, it's probably the ones who are more proactive about talking about different aspects of the game that you kind of point like manager now would have always had a big opinion on the game when when he was a player, Kieran as well. And you know, Brian's gone into a, a minister, you know, a sporting director type of role, but that would have been his, you know, thing off the pitch business twice. So I think it's the personality of the personality that dictates where where they're gonna end up. You know, Brian has brought out a book as well. We shouldn't uh, we shouldn't forget Sam. Um, yeah, he's he knows how to he knows how to get the job done many ends. Uh, Kieran, like the, the, the are, are you put off by the the fear of failure at all if you do come into management because the margins are so tight in the League of Ireland. There are it's very hard to get out of the first division. We see Danny Sir losing his job. Um, wasn't mad on the wall for press release either. Uh, to be fair, um, he's kind of didn't. I don't don't think they showed him an awful lot of respect when they actually got rid of him. And you're looking at him he, like he had Watford very very close to promotion. Um, it didn't work out, and he's gone very early in the in the new season. You look at Tim Clancy was apparently under pressure before they got. A draw against Shamrock Rovers despite what he's achieved at Pats and as you know yourself there aren't many jobs going around No I, I don't think you said the word fear I don't think you'd go in afraid but I think you'd have to go in ready um, the league is I mean you're probably going to be especially for someone like me you know the likes of you know, like Stevie's first job was a massive job for example a manager my, mine would probably be trying to go in somewhere in the first division and doing a good job and building your reputation and your name but the problem is you you know you're probably going to get judged on your first job so timing has to be right um you know i have to, and, I, and i have to be ready myself um i had a couple of opportunities there in the off season that could have been something for me if i wanted it but i probably had to put it on me that i wasn't ready to go in with two feet yet you know i was only finishing my a license at two young kids it's a it's a huge commitment. Um, if you look at that first division, it's uh, you know even geographically, it's a big ask, and you would be spending a lot of your time on the road. So it was a huge undertaking if it was to to happen for me. And I just think um, I'd have no fear of it, but I, I definitely want to be ready, and I definitely want to be you know put your best foot forward, as I said, because one job could probably make you, but it could also break you as well. One good job or one poor job would probably define you a little bit. So yeah, listen, and I still have a lot to learn. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind of enjoying now for the first time in a while just going to games and you know educating myself both on the men's and even on the women's game as well I'm, I'm going to go to P-Mount and Shells tonight just to watch that for something real far you know just educate myself and watch it that'll be a good game and I'm just constantly trying to watch as many games and educate myself as best I can but no look at as I said I'd have no fear of it but just once the time and then I'm ready that, that's probably what I'm thinking in my head you know long term the next opportunity is just probably I'd like to pull the trigger on it when things are right I could be completely wrong on this, Robbie, but um, I don't think it's in your um, itinerary down the line to go into management. Am I right? Am I wrong? I wouldn't rule out. I think the longer I, I you know, I really love, I really love the sport and kind of like, as I was saying earlier, I, you know, really love the, the ins and outs of, you know, the the way games go on a Friday and analysing them. So I, I wouldn't rule out. The only thing I'd say is that it's as nearly as Karen was saying there, it's a very kind of small industry over here that, you know, you really have to be ready and probably focus a lot of time. But I, uh, I think I uh, 
both to myself and my, you know, I placed a huge value on my education when I was younger to, you know, go down that route first. But I, w- I wouldn't rule out uh, uh, coaching. Maybe if Kieran brings me in as number two somewhere, uh, you know, that, that could be work out. Would you bring him in as a number two? Can you imagine him doing opposition and analysis? It'd be like some sort of leaving cert dissertation or something like that. Yeah, no, yeah. You don't want the fella behind you being more, more intelligent than you, do you? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't really go that route. But, um, I don't know, look, it's it, a bit like me. Like, I, in my mid to late 20s, I had no interest really in becoming a coach or a manager. But as you, as you go through the coaching badges and the qualifications and you, you realise you can't play anymore, you're trying to find the next step and... I, I wouldn't rule out Robbie. He's a very intelligent and he's a good communicator and he's an honest bloke. So I think there might be something in Robbie for Robbie himself down the line. But you don't know until you're finished, to be honest. Yeah, it's a, huge, it's a huge it's a huge passion, you know, as a player. And it's it's hard to, you know, imagine myself now not playing football or not being involved in the sport. So it's always really? a thing that's gonna be there in yeah, burning. Yeah, it's a bit, like it's it's enjoyable life, you know. We playing playing the sport you love all the way and then just to walk away from it and have to go down a different route can can be difficult so if the option is there to stay in management I can see why it's so uh, enticing for people because it is it does um, it does capture you I find it interesting you say that Robbie because like throughout your career in fairness you've always been a a one year contract type of person and you have spoken about the volatility of the league maybe just being a factor in that I mean do you still have those feelings about the league though generally in the sense that it's precarious or do you feel there's any kind of brighter future coming um a lot of talk about you know crowds this year being good and you know investments coming down the tracks or, or do you still sense it's slightly a i don't know a volatile place to be earning your living um for some yes and for for, for others no like i think when i first start when i first went fresh with dundalk I was kind of stepping into the unknown of that that world to see, you know, I didn't know whether it would be something that I'd enjoy or if I wasn't in the team, would I get the enjoyment out? But I, I did as, as you know, as soon as I started, I, I really did enjoy it. And then as I went on, it, like it gave me, the one-year contracts for me give me freedom to do what I want to do year on year, really more so than anything. Like the two times that I had a big decision to make, in my career leaving clubs I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I was under a long-term contract so it's worked out for me from that side of things but other lads might want the security of a, of a longer deal so it's it's player specific really for me that's just what works for me and and I think that's the way it'll go for me going forward as well yeah I guess you're what 30 31, 31 in May 31 yeah in May yeah does do you feel like you're one of these players that it's like it's not it's not really a league for old men? You're not an old man. Do you feel like that you you would be kind of fine getting older because you know that your style of play wouldn't necessarily be impeded by maybe slowing down a yard or two? It's only it's, you kind of figure it out as as you go. Like I still feel I'm I'm able to go with the with, with the best of them, and I wouldn't be lacking in that regard. And the hunger's still there for me to to get back winning winning trophies again and you know i really i really enjoy being a footballer and i as i said it's it's my big passion in life is football when i get home in the evenings i'm watching football i play football every day i think about football 50 60 70 percent of my days so 
Um, I genuinely yeah. thought you'd be a lot more rounded than that. I thought you'd be thinking of like, you know, because you were obviously such an intelligent student and that. I, I didn't think football would obsess you like you're saying it does. Well, it does, like really it does. And, uh, you know, most of my friends I've met through football. So that's uh, that's another side of things that you're, all, you're always in, in the bubble. But you have to, like I do, I'm not just solely focused on football all the time, but it is. It's my biggest passion in life, and I won't have the highs. I won't have the highs that I've had, and and the enjoyment that I get day to day working anywhere else. I can't imagine if any if I manage to find myself in a role where I'm enjoying stuff uh, as much as I am now. It uh, it'll be a hell of a job. And Kieran, it is it is a bit mad as well because like you're you're at an age where you're you know in normal life you're just kind of starting off, but you're you're sort of finished playing football. Do you start thinking like, well, if management doesn't work out for me, like where am I going to be when I'm in my late thirties or whatever? Yeah, well, look at I'm, I'm experiencing that now. I mean, you miss it. Do you know what I mean? Like you miss the adrenaline, you miss the Friday nights, you miss the the purpose. Um, and I probably am really only experiencing that the last two, three years when I retired. You, you can't really prepare yourself for it because you think it's probably going to last forever and you don't know when your last game is. Like, And then when it is here, you're trying to find a way back in if that's what you want. You know, uh, Robbie's probably right though. Like, it's good to have other things in your life that are going well. It can't be 100%. Do you know what I mean? You need to have something to switch away from the game. But I mean, I was a fan of the League of Ireland before playing and then I played in it for 12 years and now I'm a Probably at this moment in time, I'm only a fan again. If I got an opportunity coaching it, absolutely. But yeah, look at it. It is it is a huge transition period, and it's something like you know, very few players will have made enough money to retire off it. Do you know what I mean? When you're finished, so there is this next chapter that you have to go into. And Robbie agrees with me. Me and Robbie are very close. We've often spoken. But like we love football. Do you know what I mean? You love football, and you're kind of outside of it. Then do you know what I mean? And you're trying. Can you get back in? And I think. Yeah, I think retirement probably put that into perspective for me because I didn't realise until I retired how much I appreciated and needed that in my life. So if I can get it back, if I can get into a club or if I can get an opportunity to get myself back inside that circle, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to take it. Robbie, just to go back to, so you mentioned like you are your football watcher. Um, what's your thoughts? Because we did ask um, Killer before you came on. What's your thoughts on Stephen Kenny's Ireland? We have to ask you when you're there because I mean, it's the week that's in it. I don't know, were you at the game on Monday? Are you watching the game on Monday? Or what's your what's your take on them at the moment? Yeah, I was at the game on Monday. And I think the first thing that was noticeable was just the atmosphere and the kind of the goodwill that there is now towards the team because it's it's a group of, of likeable players. And, you know, we're never going to go out and out, you know, out play, play France off the park. You know, that's that's probably... A long way away, if ever, of of happening, and I think the team gave as good a, a performance as they possibly could. And just thinking about it as the days have gone on, like it would be, like Stephen has brought all these young players into the squad. Was brave to do that when his, you know, position would have been a little bit under question. You know, probably from his entire spell in charge, his his position has has been questioned in in various in various parts, and it would be a shame. If we we'll say in four, two or four years' time, when this team have got a lot of experience under the belt, if there was a different manager bringing them to a, a major championship, so I think he, I know I'm a little bit biased towards Stephen, but I think he does deserve the chance to bring this team through a group that, you know, if we're to qualify, this would be an unbelievable achievement um, from a group of young players like this. So 
Unbelievable is probably a stretch, though, is it like via the playoffs? But I think you said via the group, though. Well, like, from the group, via the group. To finish, okay, sorry, yeah. Yeah, so to, if there was a, you know, groups of, of times gone by where, you know, you're up, you know, the second seed is of a level that's not too far away or or the same level as ourselves, you know, it would be a, it would be a shame to see another manager would say bear the fruits of a, you know, 26, 27 year old Evan Ferguson or, or, yeah. or something like that. Actually, probably better to ask you this killer, like, what do you see in this kid at 18? I, I was amazed actually that there was almost like a little bit of criticism of his performance the other night. I was like 18 year olds up front practically on his own against France, some lovely touches. What do you make of him? Yeah, well, I think in that game it was probably a bit of a tankless shift for him. You know what I mean? It was it was all hands on deck. He was probably our first defender at times. Do you know what I mean? And he was he did a lot of the donkey work and put put himself about the best he can. I think um I think he fought the whole game. He was up against two top centre halves, two of the two, two of the top centre halves in the world, and he and he's you know he's scrapping for every ball up there, and he that that's what the game was. But I think you could see, um, I think it was Grimsby they played the week before. I know they were a team down there, but mm. you could see his quality kind of more in those games when when he's getting good service, the balls are coming into the box, and he's there, to, you know, finishing them off. And are you looking for an eighteen-year-old to be at the top of inter uh, the top of his game now, playing in the Premier League and representing his country against France? I don't think you can question his. His talent um, makes me feel old. I actually played with his dad when I was a young lad, and his dad was wow. finishing up at Rovers. But like, he, it's just he's he's a special talent, and he's one that, as Robbie said, there. You know, you can only imagine how good he's going to be in in his mid twenties and late twenties when he's getting to the peak of his powers. And um, yeah, look, at, he's he's one to be excited about. I wouldn't judge him on the France game. Do you know what I mean? It was just. It, it, it was a, it, not that it was, you know you're you're a centre forward you're, you're you know you're probably dependent on supply and you know create people creating stuff for you there probably wasn't a whole lot of that while he was on the pitch we, we threw the kitchen sink kind of when he went off in the last ten minutes where you might have liked them there was one or two flashed across or kind of half shot crosses that you would have been thinking I actually thought to myself had he been on the pitch would he have been there to, to nod it in like a striker's instinct but mm. overall look he looks he looks a hell of a player and, and, and he's definitely one that I'm excited about yeah I was I was near the the chance in the second half where he could have been put in by a Benny made a great run and he just wasn't and I, I I think people sort of I don't know people can be a little bit um, miss things at times where you know you're doing everything right the ball doesn't come to you just, it's funny you mentioned Barry Ferguson there because can you imagine saying to Barry Ferguson and you you played with him so when Barry Ferguson retired right that there would be a situation where effectively all the Irish underage teams would be effectively made up of League of Ireland players or the odd player who'd gone to the EU because you're in this situation and now, and it brings me to the, to the to the overall question, I suppose. What do you make of the league? We're in our seventh season, which roughly correlates with your 2016 run. What do you make of the league now compared to when we started this podcast and you were on that run in Europe? Yeah, no, look, it's... Um... Listen, it, it, it's it's definitely evolving. I think the the underage setup is it, we're providing we're we're creating players now all of a sudden, and they're we're 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 we're, we're definitely coming along. I think um, if that's your question, our twenty sixteen campaign, you know, we were kind of the leading lights in Irish football at that stage. You know what I mean? We were something to feel good about. We were a bunch of Irish lads predominantly, and we were competing at a very high level. I think now you can see even. The interest has grown in it because we have players. We, we, we didn't really... Evan Ferguson is probably the first player, and there's no disrespect to anyone else, but that's really playing in the Premier League at the moment, scoring goals week in, week out, in as long as I can remember. Do you know what I mean? And we've players then littered throughout the Championship playing every week. You know, Josh Cullen is probably going to be player of the year for Burnley this year. You know, we've got players who are literally, you know, 
that we can be proud of, we can follow and we can monitor. So I think there is um, a lot of development and I think we're coming along and I think, um, you look at the, the, the future is very bright. I think that's probably what Robbie was alluding to. You can kind of tell we're building something here and whether Stephen Kenny is the centre to it or he's been completely responsible for it, I, I don't know if that's the case, but, you know, he probably deserves the chance to, to bring it this next little bit further because, you know, I think people are optimistic for the first time in a long time about Irish football. Yeah, like Robbie, um, and I know we sort of joked there about like you're 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 you know you're 31 now, so you're moving into that sort of uh, you'll be described as a veteran in a piece at some stage now. Like people are just casually, ref- I'm sure, I'm, I'm, sure players, the bus and all. I'm, I'm sure players hate when they that tag starts to be you know the experienced midfielder as opposed <laughs> to you know the the youngster. But like there is a different dynamic around the league now. I mean, like you see like Sam Curtis playing for Pats at what 15. You know, like he's 17 now, but he's in his third season. And there's other players around in that age bracket playing who we are now, like Jamie Mullins last year, you know, lads who are playing before they go away at 18. Uh, like, I don't know what, the, like, it is a younger league now. And I don't know what it's like for you to suddenly find yourself on the pitch with these like 15, 16 year olds, which I'm guessing wouldn't have been as common when you were when you were kicking off. Yeah, I'd say probably... Greg's is probably the biggest thing of that because I think all the players, you know, would say, Sam, you know, you mentioned Sam Curtis and then Jamie Mudd, like they probably would have would have been gone when they were 16 yeah. before the Rouge. So we're seeing all those players now getting their chance playing for a year or two in Ireland before they move at 18. So I think it's probably, it probably feels a little bit more like there's more younger lads because, because, because of that reason. And then turn down that kind of shuts the door on, you know, lads probably, the lads were victim of that, maybe the, the players who are 18, 19, 20 that haven't got over and are being eclipsed by the younger players that, you know, they end up falling away from the game, perhaps, you know, you see that a lot. But it is, it is exciting and, you know, I think teams are, are focusing a lot more now on their, their underage crusher, the underage leagues now as well have, uh, you know, have aided, aided to that as well and, I'm sure. Uh, go on. I suppose on that, Robbie, do you do you do you have confidence in the structures in terms of facilities and coaching in, in the underage system in the League of Ireland that these players will be adequately managed to progress as players until they're adults? Well, I suppose there is a little bit of responsibility from the the, the clubs, but you know, it's it's a moral obligation rather than an actual obligation. You'd have to just hope that that teams are are doing as good as they can. I think probably a bit of an issue that I could see is that, you know, what are the restrictions on, let's say, an underage team, let's say, Tramwick Rovers are saying Pat's taking a lot of good players and, you know, the remuneration around that side of things for for going forward, that's probably the only thing I, I, I could foresee, but um, yeah, it is, it's, uh, you know, I know our 19s are, are going well this year and, and it's interesting to see a couple of them coming up and, and training with us and, and really holding their own. And I think the biggest thing from a, from personality side of things is just if you're talking about a player from 10 years, Figo or somewhere like that, and the younger lads don't have a clue who they are, you know, that's when you realise you're really getting old. God, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> well, when, you, when you see their dates of birth and it's yeah. like... After, I just put your mind. Your just mind goes back. What was I doing that year? And then you realize, yeah, you're like doing your yeah. doing your leaving serve when they were five or six years old. Like it is, yeah. uh, 
that is that is staggering. Uh, Dan, Dan, I suppose you know that we had the controversy about the, the amazing uh, performances of the under 15s. What what actually struck me was looking at some of the Shamrock Rovers lads. These lads are from nowhere near Dublin, and that's that's kind of a thing. I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Well, I think look. Uh, I did a piece in the Rovers Academy last year, right? And it was pointed out, like pointing out where all the kids playing there are coming from. Um, I think there was even one from Dundalk, you know, um, which is sort of it, like people would have been very critical of the old DDSL structure where you have people from Sligo and Limerick traveling up to play for like Dublin clubs. And that obviously wasn't ideal. Like the argument would be, well, you're taking them away from, they're spending a lot of time on the road and, um, but within that League of Ireland structure, you do have like super clubs developing within that. The super clubs is obviously a very, you know, in relative terms, you know, but they, they are probably hoovering up a lot of the talent. And um, I don't know, like that's possibly the way how the, just the, the, the economy works. Like we have this situation now where they're on about categorizing the academies, which I think is going to be a big thing going forward, probably in terms of funding that do you give all 20 clubs the same amount when maybe some clubs have no commitment or interest at all, would that be healthy? You can argue that point. Um, but clearly as well, one of the selling points to the National Underage League is that players would have a club in their region rather than necessarily travelling across the country. So I, 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 see, I see both sides of it. I think asking clubs to maybe commit a little bit more to get more funding, I can see that argument for it. But anyway, we should probably move back more just before we finish up to... I mean, a little bit more towards the weekend's games. I mean, Robbie, again, like you're in the dark mode, but I suppose like the whole season started off with everyone expecting Shamrock Rovers to retain their, their crown. And I don't know, maybe you lads have a little bit of experience of like retaining the title and the pressure that comes with it. Um, are you surprised to see them coming up the road on, on Friday looking for their first win at this stage? Of course, yeah. Look, they won three league titles in a row, so they're well used to defending titles as well. It's not a, it's not a new thing for them. It's not as if it's their first league title and they're trying to defend it as well. But uh, yeah, this prize. And even if let's say if we were to win, we'd go nine points clear of them. But I was only saying the other day to to Gab at our club, like they were. I don't know how many points we were ahead or Rovers were ahead of us in 2019. I think they might have been 12 or 13 even, and you know we managed to to reel them in so at this early stage you're not completely out of it if you fall behind but you do definitely make it make it uh, more difficult for yourself like in 2017 we were yeah. a good bit behind behind Cork but as the season went down we started to re- they were always just a little bit too far ahead if the season was you know 45 games I think we might have we might have reeled them in but that's the dangers of falling too far behind too quickly yeah, I mean, Karen. I suppose as the as the uh, as the unbiased pundit here, I know you you spoke generally. If I was to ask you now, who's your who's the best team you've seen so far this season? What well, what's your answer? Um, listen, I, I I've I haven't got to see them. I watched them on telly and I watched them on the League World TV. I've seen Derry, and I think Derry are probably a year or two down the line of Dundalk. If you know what I mean, I think they've kind of had last year. They competed at the top, and I think they'll have learned from that a little bit. Um. I don't think the likes of Dundalk or Rovers will be far away. If you had asked me four weeks ago, I probably would have said, listen, Rovers have been there, done that. And I was kind of going, I actually, I, I spoke to Robbie about this. I was like, I think Dundalk are probably a year or two away from being back up at the top of it. I thought that last year was a great season for them getting back into Europe. I'd say more of the same this year and a, and a title charge maybe. But I think Derry are probably the ones now, you know, they, 
you know, I think they'll be the ones that might get themselves into the lead and it'll be up for overs to catch them. It's no disrespect to Bowes. I, I, as I said, I saw them on their probably one-off night against in, in Talca um, and I wasn't overly impressed with them that night, but the five bounce, five wins uh, uh, away from that. So Derry for me at the minute, I just think, obviously they picked up an FAI Cup last year as well. I, I know Rory quite well. He actually presented on our A licence and he, he was meticulous in his, in his approach to things and he was showing us how he does things. So, they won't be far away. And I think with Rover stuttering start, a bit like what Robbie said, I remember that 2017 season, that was a season I, I left halfway through. But I think just we kind of ran out of games at the end just to catch Cork. Cork got over the line, they got ahead. And I think Rovers, you know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, you know, Rovers could easily, I, I don't know, could easily do Rovers this weekend and you could end up finding themselves 10 or more points uh, could adrift. And already that seems like a big one to try and reel in. So for me, uh, from what I've seen so far, I'll probably just I'll go with Derry so far. And just before we get to the fixtures, Killer, what are you actually up to nowadays? You're involved in women's football as well. Yeah, no, so I was doing my A licence and I was finishing that up. So uh, Minute University, um, their, their women's team needed a manager and they contacted me and I've, I've loved really that side of the, uh, that experience was something, again, I've never worked with a women's team before, but we've some top, top players on it, as I said, playing at the highest level. Some of them are involved even uh, Aaron McLaughlin was in one of uh, Vera Powell's Ireland squad so we have some of the top players in the country playing there along with other girls who, who are all very talented so I'm really enjoying that side of things um, and as I said I just finished finishing up my A licence now this month so um, yeah just kind of keeping in around the game and as I said to you earlier going watching as much football as I can and I'm trying to learn as much as I can Do you feel ready now if a job came up? Yeah definitely more ready than I was it's just you know when you're going through the courses the courses when you start to be think, oh, yeah, you know it all. Do you know what I mean? I've played football, I've worked with good players and good managers, but when you go through the courses, you realise you don't know it all and you never know it all. Do you know what I mean? And you have to keep learning. So, And then you meet other coaches and their ideas and you see people you want to work with and people you probably don't want to work with. So I'm slowly beginning to educate myself enough. And as I said, I probably thought Stevie was always going to be a manager. People probably wouldn't have thought that about me because I realised it a bit later. So uh, mm. Stevie kind of always had the head for it. Um, whereas I'm probably catching up a little bit on that, but I'm slowly getting there, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, rule out anything in the next year or so for me. I'd love to explore it and maybe pull the trigger on one of these opportunities. Do you do you think, Robbie, like like sort of hypothetically down the line, if if I were a manager, how would I deal with my relationship with the chairman, for example, and how would I deal with if if you if you have like three or four bad games, and all of a sudden the fans start getting at you? Um, and and some of the players start underperforming. Like the envisaged situation where okay, everything. I think Stephen O'Donnell's very good at this, where he doesn't seem to get over. He doesn't get over excited if you win. Doesn't get too down if you lose. He doesn't. He's not into reactionary stuff. Like, have you worked under enough managers? To say yeah, I could, I know how I could deal with this. That's probably the last thing that I I think about in terms of management. Like really, that's, that's a level. Well, that's a level above. I think I'm probably maybe a little bit still pure in that sense I just think if you know if I was my how would I approach training how would I set up my team rather than mm. you know worried about that's that's the that's the real realities of being a manager I'm sure Kieran will be will be dealing with that but um yeah it's funny you say that because that's actually the last thing that I did I just be still innocent enough in that sense and think oh how would I set up my team what you know how would I manage this situation probably more so with players or it's kind of when you see things happening in uh in and around the club or you know issues that need to be dealt with with the manager and before it's it gets pulled up you might think of oh, well how would i how would i manage this situation or how would i how would i do things in this regard so that's kind of where where i'd be at the minute in my own head 
it sounds like the Kilduff uh, Benson uh, dynamic might actually uh, work quite well. Uh, Kilduff can deal with pressure. Robbie can set up training. Yeah, Dan, just uh, getting up the uh, first division fixtures this weekend, and it does take on um, a more interesting kind of hue now. And and the, the first division this year, in fairness to me, the, the narrative was going to be go United or Watford. The way Watford were playing, um, they were just basically bound for the playoffs. But as it is now, this is a massive weekend for Keith Long, and um, he's now at Watford. They host Finn Harps. Finn Harps, obviously, kind of new players coming in, but that's a game. That's a kind of a must-win straight away. At lone play, Galway United, you'd expect Galway United to win, despite the fact that poor enough record on Astro and, and at that loan. Cove Randers against Bray is obviously, um, you know, clash of two clubs, very much of the playoff picture. Wexford against Treaty. Wexford um, going well also. Treaty kind of met Connor Barry actually randomly on the streets on Saturday. Hello to Connor. Um, and telling me about uh, his his love for Treaty and Tommy Barrett. And on Saturday, it's Longford Town against uh, Dan's favourite first division club, I think in some respects, Kerry FC. In the Premier Division this weekend, um, the Saturday game is Sligo Rovers v Bowes. But on Friday night, St. Pat's v UCD, Shells v Derry, that's a game I'll be at, Cork City v Drogheda, and Dundalk v Shamrock Rovers. Uh, briefly, Robbie, I didn't realise you had an amazing goal-scoring record against Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, um, just one of those teams that I, I do I I do well against. And uh, I think it's probably more so the, the challenge of the big games that, you know, I really... I really enjoy, and you know, I played probably I played more games against Rovers where I haven't scored. It's not like I score against them every every game. You know, I play every team four times. And I've been in the league a long time, so I've enough appearances against them to to rack up rack up a few goals. But probably gives you an irrational sense of confidence that I'm going to score this again. But uh, that's not how that's not how it works, unfortunately. Here we go, Keller. Keller, I'm just thinking. You mentioned Robbie Benson's intelligence. I mean, you are ex-UCD. Is he, the, is he the most intelligent player you've played with now? I know you're mates, or like, is there, would there be a couple of other lads on a little bit of a higher a higher level? When you can't it comes judge to intelligence by his leaving start points. No, no, I'm not, no. I'm not counting the leaving start points, trust me. No, no, no. no, I'm no, no Rob, the overall package. <laughs> no, Rob, Robbie is, uh, let me put it this way, like Robbie's one of my best friends in football. He's the only one I meet and me play board games. So, um, uh, you know, I'd meet him B-O-A-R-D for a coffee. or B-O-R-E-D? <laughs> what B-O-A-R-D. board games do you play? What board games do you play? Oh, whatever one he's pulled out of the Christmas stocking this year. Look at he's not, no, look at he, he's a very educated lad. He's someone that I get on with. And like, you know, there has been a few. In fairness, that, um, that Dundalk team had a, had, a, had a couple of, Dave McMillan was quite intelligent as well. And there was a, there was a couple like that, that that you've met throughout the years. But uh, Robbie's definitely up there as well. And um, I think he did a, did you do a podcast during the week week in Irish, did you? Yeah, um I yeah, uh, I did I had to do one. I my um my fiance is an Irish teacher, so she was pulling me up on a couple of buttoon that I made, but uh I, I gave my best shot. I, I went to an Irish primary school, so that gave me that gave me a leg up. But uh, there's, your, yeah. there's your answer. Yeah. yeah, different level. That's impressive. Yeah, I didn't know you were engaged as well. Congratulations on that, um Robbie. And uh, yeah, best of luck on Friday. Thank you very much. Yeah, I guess we'll wrap, Dan. Yes, we will. Listen, thanks for your time, lads. Um, enjoy your enjoy your board games whenever you catch up next. And uh, yeah, it sounds yeah. like a barrel of laughs, these lads. But um, anyway, yeah. So we were with the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually true. I do remember one moment in lockdown where, at the time, I was living in a house of four, and we played um, 
played Monopoly one of the first nights of the hard lockdown and it was one of the most depressing experiences of my actual life um, I have to say but um, maybe that's just me um, that, that wasn't the light hearted you, you, you own more properties in real life Johnny you see that's the issue <laughs> you know? um, yeah so we were in sponsorship by uh, sponsored by Future Ticketing Collar and Cuff and uh, Rascals Brewery and enjoy a game this weekend if you're back uh, in action in the league park thanks to the lads and we'll be back next week